Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. As I speak, it's Friday, April 3rd, 2020. But it could be any time because it's a podcast, right, D? Uh, yes, it's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And as I do with all bonus time guests, I ask my distinguished guest, to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Um, my name is Ramana Hussain, and I'm an assistant news editor at the Chicago Sun-Times. At which point, every single listener to the Ben Jarofsky show is going, wait a minute, that Ramana Hussein, the one who comes on your show every Friday for the Ramana Rundown? Yes, that Ramana Hussein. That's correct. Thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. But as everybody knows, as we're listening to the show lately, we've flipped things around. So the guests that usually uh, open the show, we're now introducing, uh, interviewing them after a show just to mix things up, Ramana. We're just like painting the walls to get a new color you know, so we don't lose our mind during this uh, coronavirus pandemic. So, uh, understandable. understandable. So your show will drop on Sunday. That's when uh, people Sunday morning are listening to this, Romano. Just think about that. Uh, first of all, are you staying sane during uh, the quarantine? I'm as sane as I can be. I, I'm trying. I, <laughs> some days I just feel like I'm in a jail cell, but you know knock on wood i mean my complaints are probably like a first world problem complaint me complaining that I'm, i don't get to see my friends or do anything that i want to do and cancel trips there's so many people who are suffering and you know they have relatives who are intubated and people have lost loved ones so i'm trying to be grateful i try to keep thinking of all the good things but i am someone who likes going out so it's uh it's been hard and you're uh, taking walks the last yeah, time I no, talked to you, I take walks almost every day. I try to work out four times a week, and I do in-home workouts twice a week, and I go running twice a week. I try to walk every day. Today's the only day I don't walk because I go on a show. So, because I'm doing all this other stuff, it just doesn't fit in. But I run in the morning, so that kind of I was outside earlier today. All right, well that's good to hear, and it's an it's a lovely day outside. Uh, and it's cold in the morning. Though. What's that? It was cold in the morning. It's cold. I can handle cold. I can handle cold right now. You know what's funny? My wife was saying to me, we, like, we were looking outside uh, earlier in the day. And she goes, it's kind of hard to handle the sun being out and being a beautiful day when we're stuck in here, uh, you know, because of the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? She goes, I kind of wish it was gray, which is an interesting thought. But I, I understood what she was getting at. That, that I know what she means by that, too. But when it's gray outside, that makes that makes things worse for me. 
I don't know. At least there's sun shining inside. But well, I know they're both they're both bad. Yeah. When it's sunny outside, you're like, I wish I could be outside and walk around, and for a longer time than just you know half an hour to an hour. And then when it's gloomy outside, you're like, oh, so gloomy outside. Well, it's more depressing. Uh, yeah, and then when it's raining, it's really harder. But I'm gonna go take that walk, rain or shine. I bring the umbrella. I got to get outside. Got to get some fresh air. All right, let's uh, take the deep dive and all the little issues of the day with Ramana Hussein, the Ramana Rundown. Uh, let's start off with the issue of the day that I'm uh, utterly obsessed with. Uh, that would be Tiger King, and it's the most. <laughs> Dennis is laughing. It's the most popular show uh, on Netflix right now. It's sweeping the nation. The filmmakers just sort of like hit the perfect spot with this one uh romana they release it just at the moment uh when everybody was locked in and looking for something to divert themselves with and this is a great show for diversion for sure is dennis walking he's not watching but he hears me talk about it obsessively i think in my life as a young child i've grown up with like eight versions of this fella this tiger king (laughs) i'm from downstate you know what i mean Oh, yeah, I know. I was going to say, um, I don't, you know, it's like my niece, of all people, my niece has been telling me to watch it. And among other people, and another friend in a chat group that we have all the time, she's like, aren't you watching The Tiger King? And this friend is like someone I could never see watching The Tiger King. And she told me yesterday, she goes, if it was a normal time period, I never would have watched something this trashy. But it's just, it's just really kind of crazy and insane. And everybody involved in this saga as you want to describe it, is so is so disturbed in some way, and just I don't know I don't know if damaged is the right word. I know I try not to editorialize, but I just look at everybody and you know the one guy I guess the guy who's the Tiger King, Joe Exotic. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that works at his like place has some sort of like limb or leg missing. It's just uh, I don't know. It's a caricature in some way, and. It's just, um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I, I, I watched, so I did, I started watching the first episode. So my niece was like, you got to watch it. It's just crazy. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I watched one episode yesterday after work, mm-hmm. you know, which is at my kitchen table. I came down and I laid down on my bed. That's what I do after work sometimes to make it seem like I left work. <laughs> so I watched, two, I watched two episodes yesterday, two more episodes. So I'm up to three. I know Ben, Ben finished it. Yeah. But I just like it's like everything that could happen there's like all, drama involving everything you have like polygamy like a gay marriage with three men um a woman who may or may not have killed her husband and she's supposed to be the one that's the animal right activist and you know she's accusing the other people who have all these like and i don't even know there was that many tiger sanctuaries personally i didn't know people like were had these tigers and had obsessions with tigers. I know people are animal lovers, but they're just on another level. Well, you say this because you're a cat owner, aren't you? Don't you guys have cats? Or two cats? I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal lover. I can tell you that much. I like animals, but I'm not an animal lover. My husband. Oh, he's the reason you have those cats. Um, yeah, they're not my cats. They're not my cats. I, I they came into my family. I see you inherited them with the marriage. Well, I yeah, and. and I like animals, but I, I, I'm not like my husband. Like, I'm not like, you know, some people just like take pictures of their cats every day. And like, po- I posted one this week and I said, that's this is a sign of me cracking. I'm taking pictures of my cat. Yeah. I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sure sign you're losing it. 
Well, I have to tell yeah. I have to tell you, Ramona, having watched all seven episodes of the um, the series, I I was like you, very much like you when I started. It was utter diversion. I was watching these insane people, each one nuttier than the other, uh, in disbelief oh, yeah. as as the show unfolded. And like, I can't believe this person's nuts. This one's not. And then when it comes together and it concludes, and I'm, I'm thinking things through when I say this, because I'm probably going to write about this, I realize the show's deeper than I initially thought. It has a message and a theme, and... Um, I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to spoil it for you. Next okay. week, by the way, Scott Duff, comedian Scott Duff, and I will do the whole deep dive. We're going to talk like for an hour. Do you know how uh, we'll get into the Bob Dylan thing? Uh, your husband and I talked Bob Dylan for uh, about 40 minutes the other day, but uh, I'm going to do the deep dive in this. But anyway, there's a deeper point to it, and I it's so remarkable to, remarkable to me how much overlap there is between the antics of Joe Exotic who is the tiger king of the show and the antics of president Donald John Trump. And there's so much similarities in the way they go about their lives and the way they live their lives and the way they draw people to them. I, I found that just overwhelmingly uh, obvious as the show rolled on. Uh, and so in some ways, Joe exotic is a perfect symbol for these Donald Trump times. But don't you think the other tiger people were similar to him? Because that other guy, the guy with the, with the, we talked about this off air, the guy who came up with the Indian name, Pagwan, Pagwan actually, but he pronounces it Pagavan, or I don't know how he pronounces it. And um, he has this whole like, oh, I have a group of women that I get to work for me. And they're obviously women who are lost because that one woman who left his uh, sanctuary she said that um, there's just one woman to explain to the viewers. There's this other guy who has all these tigers and he has all these women, all these girlfriends and he changes their names and they're all actually, they're all South Asian slash Hindi names too, by the way. And so he has them and he, you know, kind of controls them. And that one woman who was able to leave, she was saying how her dad just dropped her off. And I mean, like what kind of dad would try? I mean, these people are obviously coming from like troubled homes or like unstable backgrounds. I don't know. Maybe I'm judging. No, you're not. It's a cult. Okay. And I feel feel like even the woman that was running the big camp sanctuary, whatever, she's she's the one that's supported by PETA. And she's saying that these guys are, you know, she, she has these volunteers and she makes them wear different shirts depending how many hours they put in. And I feel like all these people are like really big animal lovers and they're totally being duped by these people who just want power and it's just i don't know i've I've never like i said i like animals but i've never i'm not to that point where i'm just like some people are just like crazy animal lovers and i never understood it and i think that's part of being a child of immigrants and my parents were my mom was middle class my dad was really poor and pets animals were treated differently animals were part of the society but they were more of you know they're part of the larger ecosystem well, well, let me put it to you today. What you just said is exactly, you summed up exactly what I was trying to articulate. And, oh, sorry, and, and, I didn't watch the whole thing. Yet. No, no, but you, I want to thank you for that because when you said people are being duped, uh, that's exactly the political parallel that, that I see. So, for instance, the, the woman that you alluded to, Carol Baskin, 
she kind of reminded me of Hillary Clinton. So Joe Exotic is battling Carol Baskin, and this is sort of a central uh, conflict that keeps that propels the show. And he reminded me of Donald Trump, and she reminded me of Hillary Clinton. And you're right, the part about Carol Baskin that reminded me of Hillary Clinton and the Dems is that they pretend, they act as though... <laughs> There's, they're somehow different than the Republicans. You know, they're better or more b- benevolent. And yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet they're, you know, they're, they're not that much better than the the, <laughs> the Republicans. So yeah, I'm going to flesh that out in a column to come. But you, there's a third character that you alluded to, another big uh, cat owner. And this is one of uh, Romana's favorite themes, Romana. You just have to address this for a moment. And that is hucksters. I know. How is I perfect? (laughs) Hucksters in Western society who slap some kind of Indian, as in India, uh, name on whatever they're selling, as though that gives it, what, a veneer of respectability or... You know, deepness uh, or deeper they, meaning. They think it's all. They think everything Indian people do is really spiritual, and like that's how we live our lives. And it's completely not. So they just like they use like like you know for in yoga they uh, a lot of people there's this term namaste. First of all, it's mispronounced by all the white people who do yoga. <laughs> and Wait a minute, it's not namista. <laughs> Just no, kidding. it's not Namaste. And it's oh. like every Indian person cringes when they hear people say it. They're like, it just says, it just means hi. You don't have to pretend it's something really deeply spiritual. So the thing is, um, it's like this guy basically said that he got into that lifestyle. He becomes a vegetarian and he, and he works, he like, he went to some like ashram or something. I don't know what he did, but they show him go to some place and then, all of a sudden, he's calling himself um, Pugwan, but, you know, he's mispronouncing it, of course. And that basically, um, I'm not Hindu, I'm Muslim, so I don't know, you know, I can't, I don't, uh, hopefully I'm saying this right, but it's basically a word used for a deity in Hinduism. And anybody who's watched Bollywood movies, when they're talking, they pray to Pugwan. So it's like this guy gives himself his name, and it's like, the, the guy's like, I don't know why, but all these women are flocking to him, which... That perplexes. So I just think I don't get it, <laughs> but that that part made me that cracked me up. I mean, you knew I was gonna laughing at that as soon as I saw his Indian trying to play the Indian card and how like spiritual he is. And then and then he like he was he made that one woman, the one that was able to leave, get a um, breast implant. And she only she said that she only got breast implants. She was forced to do it, and she said the only reason she did it is so she could have rest. Yes, because she. And she said that um, they, the, the conditions at this tiger sanctuary or whatever they call it um, were really bad. The conditions were really bad and they always had to work. So it was, it's like there's a veneer of these people working and trying to pretend that they're caring about these animals, but then they treat people like crap, which kind of reminds me, I don't know. I, I, I was, you know, the, the, you know, people, there's different animal groups in the city of Chicago and Paws is one of them. And I think the, woman who's the president of pause is a trump supporter now as someone who is a person of color i can tell you you know for someone to be advocating for animals and then being a trump supporter it's it's really um hypocritical for a lot of people it's like oh so you think animals have rights but 
people at the border and other people of color. Let's just worry about what happens to the animals. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. So I kind of found that parallel when I was watching the first couple episodes. It's like they're all talking about animals and how these animals are giving them, you know, some sort of it's kind of replacing some of the things they were missing in their lives. But then they were treating all the people they worked with <laughs> terribly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember the-, the one group of guys. I don't know, Dennis. <laughs> so there's this group of guys that um, basically didn't have food to eat. And so I'm not saying Dennis would know about this, but I'm just saying that's like something interesting. Dennis might sound funny. And so these guys got all this meat from the Walmart and they basically – they're like, oh, this is a meat for the tigers, but whatever expired food you want, you can have that. Well, that and just some people, it was uh, quote unquote expired meat from Walmart. In other words, if they if Walmart uh, cannot sell the meat that they have, like within a day or two or something, they throw it out. And so instead of just throwing it into you know a landfill or whatever, uh, Joe Exotic's team took the meat from wherever Walmart deposited, and then they ate it. Well, they were feeding it to the animals, but they also said, okay, guys, here's dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It was their grocery shopping. I was going to tell Dennis, you can't relate to that. I know that. No. No, No, I cannot. (laughs) Yeah, he cannot. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, but it it is, uh, like I said, the movie works, the TV show works uh, on many different levels, but uh, the, the one level that I thought was most moving and sad was how they really depicted how a cult works. And so in the particular case of the woman who finally broke free, she got the breast implants, as you were saying, Romana, because they made her work every day for like 12 hours. She was exhausted and she said, you know what? Uh, I got the breast implants because I realized I would get some rest and that just that was so painful to watch that, but it's done. It it, 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 this story unfolds like in the, in the, in this tale that has like a, a beginning, a middle and an end. There's a narrative to yeah. it. It's like a story that's unfolding. And it, this is just one aspect of the tale. Yeah. Did you like the music videos? Yes. I, the guy's got some talent. By the way, Dennis just pointed out to me. I did not realize this until he just showed me Joe exotic. Who's the, uh, protagonist i suppose of the show he's the tiger king in the name tiger king he i'm not giving much away everybody knows this if you just see the newspapers he is in jail right now i won't tell you why he's in jail if you haven't seen the show just see the show you know he's in jail anyway he uh he has COVID 19 and uh he's in oh really uh, yeah according to dennis breaking news uh tiger king star joe exotic has been transferred from coronavirus isolation to a prison medical cell inmate records show uh, Thursday that uh, blah, 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 blah. He's got coronavirus is basically uh, the, the uh, story. So, um, you know, it's funny uh, when I was thinking about him in in, in jail, and this is, uh, I've not shared this with anyone, Romano, you're the first person to hear this. I thought of Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen, there's some parallels. Michael Cohen was Donald Trump's lawyer, his chief lawyer for years and years. He was the lawyer when Trump took office. And he was the lawyer who would go try 
do payoffs to women to shut them up like uh, that, that, that that it slept with Donald Trump and they didn't want the story to come out during the campaign. Michael Cohen turned against Trump, testified against Trump. He ended up going to federal prison. Trump's still the president of the United States. Michael Cohen's in prison. Explain that to me. Anyway, I just think about people incarceration. They're in dire threat of getting the virus because obviously they're enclosed yeah. and next to each other. And I just thought, what a bizarre country this is right now. What a bizarre world this is that Michael Cohen is in federal prison while Donald Trump, who probably, well, I mean, he was part of whatever conspiracies Trump, uh, Cohen was up to. He was the one that Cohen was protecting, is the one giving us advice right now as we try to deal with this. There's a certain madness in the world, Romana, that... For sure. That's why Tiger King is seems normal at this point. Yeah, that's why Tiger King seems normal. Anyway, uh, watch the rest of the show, uh, and we'll probably talk about it next week in its entirety, and I'll just one more time tell fe- people that Scott Duff and I will be taking a deep dive in this. Uh, by the way, I was... Speaking of deep dives, Mick Dumpke and I took a deep dive on Bob Dylan. Mick Dumpke, among other things, of course, is Romana's husband. And um, uh, we did a deep dive on, on Bob Dylan's Murder Most Foul. Are you a Dylan fan, Romana? I like Bob Dylan, but probably not the way you guys like Bob Dylan. Like, I like him. I like. I enjoy listening to him. Am I going to talk about him for 17 days? Which I'm sure <laughs> my husband will. Instead of 17 minutes? Um, probably not. I don't think I heard the song in entirety. Mick, I think, was playing it once, and I just kind of walked by, and I just listened to it, and then I walked away. Um, I'm sure I'm sure it's good. I mean, I like Bob Dylan. Um, I like his songs. Um, I'm not going to say I don't like him. Like I said, I'm not going to say I never saw him live because I've always wanted to, but then some of my friends told me that he wasn't that good live. And then I, I told you before the show started, my niece, who's now 25, maybe a few years ago when she was a teenager, she went to go see Bob Dylan with a friend because her friend's parents really liked Bob Dylan. And she ends up going and then she comes back and she's like, oh, it was terrible. And she goes, plus, everybody in the audience is really, really old. And I go, yeah, like it's like even older than Nani. Nani's like her grandma, my mom. And so I'm like, yeah, I could, I'm like, I could have told you that. I go, look how old he is. So she was just telling it was like a really old crowd. I'm like, yeah, that's to be said. Um, no, but I, I, I think he's, I, I mean, he's a legend. I think he's um, very good at what he does. So I got to listen to the song. And I, I did hear, I did hear Mick's end of the discussion. So I did hear his um, end. So I will have to listen to the show <laughs> to see what you guys have to say. Well, it, and I know you guys talked about him for more than 17 minutes. Yes, so. we talked about and we had to uh, cut the conversation because uh, Mick had a phone call to take. We could have talked about it for at least another hour. Uh, it's Oh, a, and then he did the ProPublica newsletter for this morning, I think, or yesterday, and he mentioned the song in there. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, well, it's not even a song. It's a poem song. Uh, it's about the Kennedy assassination, and it goes on from there, and I'm obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. I will say this. Uh, I've seen Bob Dylan at a concert uh, several times. There was a moment when I just said to myself, I'm going to see Bob Dylan every time I can because he's a legend and just seeing him on stage is enough. And I then came to this realization. I was at this Dylan concert, Romana, and I could not understand a word he was saying. He varies, <laughs> he, he varies his songs for whatever impulse he has at that moment. So I didn't know from the 
the music, what song he was singing. I, I was like, you know, he sounds like a croaking toad. I love you, Bob Dylan. I've been listening to you forever, but that's it. No more Bob Dylan concerts. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I've stopped watching Bob Dylan. But I, my obsession with him has not ended. Uh, so. Yeah, I think I think I would go see him. Like, I, I would feel bad if, you know, God forbid something happened to him and I didn't see him. I've seen Joan Baez. So I do like some of that music from that time. And I do like his contemporary. So, you know, I don't want to regret it if I don't see him. So maybe next time he comes, I'll try to see him. Let's uh, switch to some local uh, politics. Uh, we usually talk about crime uh, and uh, criminal justice issues with Romana for years. She uh, was a court reporter here uh, in Chicago. New police chief in Chicago. It's, it's something that just crept up on us when we were, our, our attention was diverted uh, to the virus. David Brown is his name. Lightfoot chooses former Dallas police chief as new top cop. Got any general thoughts on this, Romana? Um, no, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you know, there were three uh, finalists for the um, the position we heard. Uh, there was uh, David Brown, you said? David Brown, I don't know if I'm forgetting his name. And then there was the police chief, Aurora, who's the female. And then the third guy was an insider, a former uh, Chicago police sergeant. And, you know, I was editing some of these stories, and it seemed like the police board was leaning toward uh, Brown. They were saying that, you know, he has interesting backgrounds. He left the Dallas Police Department on good terms. He's very well liked. And he has a pretty unique background. I don't know if you paid attention to that. But his um, brother was killed by drug dealers. And his son, who's 27, was killed by police in a shootout. Um, I was reading some more articles about this right before I um, started the show. He apparently, the son, was 27 years old. And um, I think he killed two people. Um, you know, he was mentally unstable from what I read and that he, then he was in a shootout with police. So it seems like this police chief has a lot of experience, you know, dealing with things that people on the other side, you know, the other side of the badge deal with. So I think, I think people do find that interesting. I think he said that, um, Fran Spielman had a story today and he said that he had a three, three things that he wanted to focus on. One thing was, you know, the coronavirus. The second, you know, to curb that, the second thing was uh, crime in the summer. And the third thing was the consent degree, decree, uh, basically following with the federal guidelines and what was issued in that decree. So um, he seems, I mean, you know, from my end, you know, from what I'm reading, he seems to be someone that people will like. But, you know, he's also an outsider. So, you know, outsiders always get treated a little differently in the beginning. And so they have to kind of prove themselves. Um, so there probably will be a learning curve, I would think, in some sort of way, because he's from Dallas. I think Dallas is, you know, it's diverse and it's, uh, you know, a big enough city, but it's probably, Chicago is probably a different beast, I would say, We have, Dallas. Yeah. Chicago has this attitude, let's talk about this for a moment, about outsiders uh, who come to run like departments, like the police department or the board of education uh, or even the park district. And we can get very insular, Romana. You know, people, it's yeah. like, well, you're not from Chicago. You don't understand how it goes in Chicago. As though Chicago is so much different than any other city. I find this a peculiarity that Chicagoans have. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, they're quick to turn on them or people love yeah. it when they stumble. 
It's like, oh, well, he's not from Chicago. Like, he doesn't know how to handle things. I find this weird. This is one of the quirks <laughs> Chicago's have. I've got my issues with a lot of things Chicagoans do, but this is one of them. I find it very weird that Chicagoans, and I don't, as you know, I'm not from Chicago. So I don't have this quirk, this notion that there's something different about Chicago. Like, why would a, being a police chief in Chicago be any different, let's say, than being a police chief in Cleveland or Boston? Or do you, I mean, you still have the same basic issues. The police have troubled, have troubled relationships with the black community. That is like an established fact throughout the country. Like, why would Chicago be any different? I don't know. I think that's just something being from the Chicago area. I'm, I, I was born in Chicago and I was raised in the northern suburbs, but I still have issues with outsiders. I still make fun of people who are from the outside. But that's just, that's just me. I don't take it that seriously in terms of our leaders. I mean, even Rahm Emanuel, he was treated like an outsider. He's from Womet. So, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I, I did feel like he, I'm not saying that you know, the, he didn't, wasn't, you know, deserved any of the criticism, but he was even treated like an outsider. Take so um, he should have been. I, He's I, not from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but not from the area. You know what I mean? I think I think people not from Chicago and then bigger not from the area get treated differently. Like if you say you're from Chicago and you're you live in Schaumburg, I think you rightfully get you know lambasted for that. So I think kind of people feel kind of this, um, I don't know, possessiveness over like being from here. So, but I don't think that should necessarily mean that someone is going to be a bad leader. But I think that is something that people kind of keep an eye on. They go, oh, he doesn't understand the landscape. He doesn't understand Chicago. So, you know, so people, just, I think people do you do kind of are a little more judgmental towards people who are from the outside. But I don't know. We'll see. You know, the only time will tell. I can't say whether this um, new police superintendent is going to be the best, but, you know, he seems to be a likable guy yeah. and people seem to like him and respect him. And, you know, it, it, you know, it does help you. I would think that anybody that was going to be the next superintendent has to be a person of color. And this in Mr. Brown is the uh, superintendent Brown is an African-American, which helps. Doesn't mean that it's going to be like all, you know, well, and that everybody is going to be embraced. Everybody in the African community, American community, is going to embrace him. So it'll be interesting. Well, I don't know. The, I don't know. I, the Chicago thing, I understand because I do that too. Well, all right. So again, I would. Oh, now we're in the, the the Chicago discussion. My attitude about it is this: You and Rom were born in Chicago, <laughs> and you and Rom lived several years in Chicago before you moved to the Burbs. I was not born yeah. in Chicago. I never lived in Chicago at all until I was grown up. So I don't consider myself a Chicagoan and I would never say I'm a Chicagoan and I view the world differently than most Chicagoans. I really do. I like on many levels I do. So I would not say I'm a Chicagoan, but in the case of Rom, Rom was elected mayor of the city of Chicago. He it was clear to me he didn't know the basics of Chicago that anybody would know if they've lived there for a while. Like, like the different schools and the school district. He was clearly didn't understand that. But he pretended like he did. I don't think David Brown is going to pretend like he understands all the nuances of yeah. our city. I think when you pretend, yeah, people will catch you from Chicago. I think that's what it is. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, I've told my husband, Mick, this. I go, the thing that bothers <laughs> me about people who aren't from Chicago is like they came from like whatever Midwestern little town they came from and then they like moved to like 
they moved to a place that's really gentrified and then they start talking about suburban so yeah well i live in the city and then they go on and on i'm like first of all you only moved here five years ago you're not from chicago so don't sit there and talk about how street street you are so then it just kind of bothered me because then they're like look down on me because i was raised in the suburbs and you see where they're from and i'm like listen wherever you're from is more suburban than the suburb i grew up in so that's my that's my two cents about people who act like they're so chicago and they've only been here for like less than like 10 years and it's just like oh no so i don't know and i'm sure people from the city tell me shut up suburban girl but whatever (laughs) suburban girl uh (laughs) that's hilarious i had a conversation we'll move on from this topic i just got to. there's a a gentleman well let's just say his name is jeff and one time he was we were uh sitting chatting uh and he told me very dismissively he uh he dismissed with contempt people who lived in the North Shore, which are the suburbs north of Chicago. Yeah. And he goes, They're so North Shore. And I'd like to point out right now, this guy Jeff lives in Evanston, which is a North Shore suburb, and grew up on the North Shore. I go, What do you what you got against North Shore? You're from the North Shore. What, <laughs> like what why are that's you better thing. than I, anyone else? I, I that's the funny thing because we do say things like that's so North Shore, but the suburb I grew up in was very North Shore adjacent. A lot of my taste is very North Shore, so I don't pretend that I'm above the North Shore because I like some things that are very North Shore. So I'm not going to pretend I don't, you know. So, so that makes me laugh when yeah. people say that. Oh, that's can I say that we do that too? I'm not saying I'm not part of the problem, but um, I do like the North Shore. I like the homes there; they're very nice. Love the North Shore. Um, yes, that is that is really fun. Yeah, it's funny. Really it's funny. so North Shore. You live in Evanston. What? Do you... um, all right, let's uh, let's uh, talk. Let's go back to Chicago and talk about somebody who's not from Chicago, but very much acts as though she is, and that of course is Mayor Lori Lightfoot. One year, it's been one year. Uh, yeah, Romana, how are you feeling about Lori these days? Um, you know, I I think. Um, the way she's been handling the coronavirus um, pandemic and, you know, her response to it. Um, I think one thing that helped her is the memes and her having a sense of humor and the PSAs that she did. Um, People found that very, very funny. So I think, I think her one year is kind of being remembered fondly by the way that she's been responding. And even though she's been very stern, because she does seem like someone that, um, doesn't sometimes doesn't have a sense of humor the fact that she's showing that she has a sense of humor i think i think it's i think it's kind of putting a smile on people's faces at a really hard time so i think she's ending her year on a good note um obviously i think it's still kind of early to say whether she's like awesome or not but i think she's been handling some things um okay i think some people would say but um she has she's done a lot of things that people would probably say, well, she promised to do this, but still hasn't done it. And she's doing a lot of things just like Rom did. So there's definitely that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, the, the police, the police review board and having the um, citizens group. I think that was one of the things that kind of, she's been kind of back and forth on. So I think a lot of people, the police, you know, people who are um, activists and, you know, when when it comes to police matters, I think they would feel differently about the way she's been handling things and saying that she made a lot of promises that she's not really keeping. So I think um, I think we still have I think the jury's still out on whether she's like 
going to be exceptional for the city of Chicago. But I think she is ending on the year on a good note with all the ways that she's handling coronavirus and the fact that she's, you know, laughing at the means of herself in her, you know, oversized suit standing outside, you know, <laughs> you know, these police cave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, no, so I, I think, I think, yeah. I think that does help her. I think it's helped her image. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, last week, we, we were really teasing her because when she gave that press conference where she sternly rebuked the citizens of Chicago uh, for going to the beach on a beautiful day and not staying at home, uh, and then it was after that performance where she sternly rebuked the citizens of Chicago that the memes were unleashed. And to her credit, she went with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She didn't try to resist the memes. Oh, you know, she went with it, and then she released her own, uh, the PSAs that you're talking about that uh, that are funny or have a comic edge to them. Uh, some are funnier than others. Uh, so, yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, she has, at this moment in time, if you had asked me, without the coronavirus to rank her performance after a year, the grade would have been a lot lower than what it is now when I watch her. And I'll tell you this. I have a great appreciation, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, for the way Lori Lightfoot has behaved in the last couple of weeks and the way J.B. Pritzker has behaved in the last couple of weeks. When I think about them in contrast to Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and President Donald Trump of this United States and how they give out mixed messages and how they're afraid to confront people in their own party like the evangelicals, Romana, who who have church services, okay, in the middle of this pandemic because what? They want to show that they're above it all, that God's on their side, and they won't possibly get the coronavirus because it's only infidels that get the coronavirus. When I see how uh, JB and uh, Lori Lightfoot are handling it, I have appreciation for them, and which is weird because you know me. I'm usually pretty critical of mayors well, and governors. Well, I have to tell you, this is what I've said about that. The thing is, the bar is so low nationally, is that when you see someone acting like the way a leader should, everybody's so impressed. And we shouldn't be because that's the way the leader should behave. And that's what I've said to my husband, who was talking about how Pritzker's been handling. I'm like, that's what he's supposed to do. That's what he gets paid to do. And the, the funny thing is, um, um, Andrew Cuomo in New York has been given the same praise. All of a sudden, there's all these articles about how women find him like, really hot and stuff and they're having crushes developing crushes on him and then someone on twitter wrote something really funny can i hope can't wait till this pandemic is over because then i can go back to hating andrew <laughs> you know yeah and criticizing him yeah. so i just feel like when the national the bar is so low it's like when you find someone that's just behaving the way that a leader should be behaving everybody's so impressed and it's kind of like um there's i told you that chris rock joke where he talks about, um, you know, he goes, I hate when um, men come up to me and uh, tell me that, you know, they're, you know, they're like, I'm a good father. And, and then he's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't do this to my kid. And then he's like, yeah, you're a father. You're supposed to be. So <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that joke when everybody's like going on glowingly about Pritzker and Lightfoot and not to say that they don't deserve it. I'm just saying that it's sad that this is what has become and come to our nation where we have someone that's leading the country that really can't comprehend the, didn't comprehend how dangerous this was. And, you know, a lot of people would say handled it very wrongfully. And so then you have leaders who know what they're doing and talking like leaders should. Everybody's like, wow, 
because I think the bar has just been dragged so low. Yeah. Kind of like why we're watching Tiger King now. Uh, that is a very valid point. Uh, the bar is very low. Uh, and it's not just that the he, he's um, Donald Trump's reaction. It's almost as though he's unwilling for many different reasons uh, to acknowledge how dangerous the situation is. I don't know. Guess what? He's worried that people will hold it against him. Who knows? He's the man. I've now come to the conclusion this me talking is a lunatic, Donald John Trump. And uh, it's a scary moment for this country that he's our president at this critical time because your point's very well taken. I feel so great about J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot because they behave like mature, responsible leaders are supposed to behave in a crisis. And the person who's above them in rank is such a baby, you know? And we like they have to assuage his ego at every moment you know like they're not they don't get the masks that they have so if they criticize him he'll condemn them in tweets or uh in public statements and so then they have to say nice things about them in the hopes that he'll deliver the maps the masks so your point's a very good one uh, the bar is exceedingly low and we'd see i'm with you on cuomo by the way i had a lot of problems with andrew cuomo Politically, he's far more to the center than I am. And I, I view him as sort of like Rom of New York. And, uh, but <laughs> gotta admit, he's doing a good job. It's almost like Giuliani. Were you paying attention in 9 11 to what Giuliani was doing in New York? He was. He- oh my God. I didn't, I, you know what? Honestly, I thought he was a little over the top. But I know someone like me said that. Um, people would think I was a terrorist. So I didn't say anything. You kept your mouth shut. <laughs> I, I have to sometimes keep my mouth shut because people think that I, you know, hate America and, you know, they, they want me to be like, I don't know if you read Andrew Yang's um, column yesterday in the Washington Post that was criticized by every single Asian American that I know. He was basically blaming the, he was blaming, putting the onus on the Asian Americans to keep people from being racist during this coronavirus uh, pandemic. He's saying, oh, us Asians should prove that we're like we're less like everyone else we're the red white and blue and it just like made a lot of people angry because you know a lot of people are calling this a chinese virus or a foreign virus and so andrew yang he's from that generation and i'm kind of like that border general generation where oh let's just show everybody that we're just like them and you know it just made a lot of people angry because it's very tone deaf and telling us just behave like a good american and everybody will accept you but that's not the right answer the right answer is to put the onus on the racist and ask people not to, and tell people not to be racist. You have to read it. It's, it's pretty. Uh, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, this is something else that Trump's polluted uh, the public way with the calling it the China virus. And I was thinking about this the other day. At first he kept calling it the China virus. It, 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 it served a twofold purpose for him. Romano one, it's like blaming China, but two, it's almost in his mind. Like what's oh, a China so it's just Chinese people getting it. What do we care? It's not, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the like coronavirus only affects Chinese people. It's not going to affect people who live in the United States. I mean, what kind of demented? And I see the same thing going on with the attitude Ron DeSantis has, where he's going to cut off flights from New York and New Jersey or quarantine people coming from New York. To, it's like the coronavirus is coming from Democrats. It only inf- infects Democrats. It doesn't infect Republicans. Like, 
somebody from the northern part of the state that's Republican could not get the virus or give it to somebody else in the state. It's this bizarre, like, separation of the virus and uh, labeling it something that affects other people. Yeah. And, and so, like, when you're talking about Rudy Giuliani, I mean, everybody loved him after 9-11. And so, you know, well, that's the thing. It's like everybody was so impressed with him, nobody wanted to question the kind of things that he was doing. And I think that can be problem- problematic in itself, where you're looking at a tragedy and you see someone saying what they want, but, you know, now how much is Rudy Giuliani like? I mean, he is liked by some people, but... Not many. Not many. Maybe even yeah. uh, liked by less than Trump. All right. Let's close it down as we always do. Ramana's recommendations. Help us get, get us through this madness. What do you got for us to recommend um, for us? Well, I still am finishing uh, The Tiger King, as I we mentioned earlier. But I've been reading about this um, uh, a young woman of promise, this film. I think that's what it's called. I, I don't have it in front of me right now. But I've been, um, you know, I read... I'm trying to read, and I I read a lot of magazines in general, even before this pandemic happened. But um, I was reading the, these magazines, and I'm going through them pretty quickly. And so both of them mentioned this a new movie that was supposed to come out April 17th. So this is something that we'll keep in mind if it, this movie comes out on Netflix, or if it comes out um, on uh, in theaters when all this is over. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, this is called A Promising Young Woman. And it's, it's like a female revenge fantasy in the Me Too era. It's about this young woman who pretends she's uh, blacked out um, at bars and clubs. And these guys take her home pretending they're, you know, helping her. And uh, she goes to their place and then start taking advantage of her. And then she kind of pre- lets them know that she's sober. And it's kind of like a, it's supposed to be a really funny take on, you know, you know what women have to deal with so i kind of i'm kind of intrigued to look at that movie when that comes out i've seen some of the reviews and they're pretty good yeah and i actually when you told me that earlier i remembered i saw my wife and i saw the preview for that movie uh the last time we were at a movie seems like forever ago uh and so yeah i'm looking for that one too i've gone in the other direction ramon i've started watching old eddie murphy movies uh in during the coronavirus uh i i've always loved eddie murphy but for some reason now i appreciate him even more than i did back in the day i don't know why i'm loving eddie murphy so much but boomerang i just watched boomerang you remember boomerang from back in the day yeah i did i never saw it but i remember it it ages well i recommend everybody if you're looking for a light funny movie uh, John Witherspoon has a moment in that movie, like ten minute moment, that is outstanding, hilarious. So I'll leave it to a boomer to suggest a movie called Boomer Ang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good one, Dennis. He's good. That has got a million. I'll be at Zany's next week. I uh, know uh, I won't. So, no, <laughs> I was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so all right, we'll, uh, we'll 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 close it off with that one. Ramana Hussein, Ramana's rundown every Friday. We do the interview on Friday, and now we drop it on Sunday uh, to confuse everyone. Ramana, have a safe weekend, and we'll talk to you Me next too. week. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Take care, everybody. That's another bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader: new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.